had to share last week. Well, maybe you've noticed this, especially coming out of a heavy sports uh, season. But I've noticed that professional athletes, it's in vogue for, to, for them to say that I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And, you know, I always wonder what they mean when they say I'm blessed. Are they talking about the fact that they really do have faith in God and a relationship with Christ? Or are they talking about the fact that they're blessed with great ability and too bad for the rest of you poor suckers who don't have that ability? Are they saying that they're blessed in what that lifestyle has brought them? The fame, the fortune, and everything that goes with it, I thank you all. Is that what they're saying? They're enjoying that. Life is good. But what happens if the winning is removed, the ability is removed, the six to seven digit uh, salary is removed? What happens then? Has the blessing gone? Has the blessing been removed? And I started asking the question this week, what does it mean to be blessed? Who is blessed? And why? Is it just for the gifted, the popular, the, the powerful, the well-connected? If you're born into the right family, and can it be taken away? Well, today we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke. If you want to open up your Bibles, uh, we'll be in chapter 11. But we're just going to look at two verses. And Jesus is going to have a short interaction with a woman in a crowd and we'll see who Jesus thinks is truly blessed. And we'll see that that blessing, number one, is for everyone. And number two, it can't be taken away. So that's what we're going to be looking at today. Let me pray for us, and then we'll go ahead and get into God's Word. So, Lord Jesus, as we head into 2019, we thank you for this uh, season of Christmas where we, remem we remember that God is with us, Emmanuel, that you came to dwell among us. And that's not going to stop as we head into 2019, into January. You're going to be with us even today and for the rest of this year and for the future. Would you open our eyes today to what you have to say to us in your word? And would you show us today the blessing you have for us? in yourself. Lord Jesus, our living hope, it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to pick it up at verse 27 through 28. If you don't, it's going to be projected behind me, so you can read along with me. But at verse 27, it says, as Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And he replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So big point. Here's what I want you to know today. Here's what I want you to walk away with today. Okay? That true blessing is not found in your earthly circumstances. True blessing is not found in your earthly circumstances. Rather, it is found in your response to the kingdom bringer. And we'll be talking about what that means here in a minute. So two things. 
True blessing is not found in your earthly circumstances, but it's found in your faith response to the kingdom bringer. First half of that. True blessing is not found in your earthly circumstances. Now, we just have two verses, right? There's a context. It says, as Jesus was saying these things, what things was Jesus saying? We're going to talk about that here in a minute. Some backstory, though. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, has come to bring the kingdom of God, to restore what was broken, our relationship with God, our bondage to sin. And the kingdom He brings is not a geographical kingdom. It's the kingdom that invades the heart. And so, we see glimpses of this throughout the gospel. And, and I know you know this, but I'm going to tell you this. The word gospel means good news. It means good news. It's the good news about something, rather someone who has changed all of history. He's changed all of eternity. And he's still at work changing hearts today. It's still good news today. And I want you to know that. Because we're talking about something that happened over 2,000 years ago. But one of the glimpses here is in, in chapter 11, verse 14, where Jesus is casting out a demon out of a man who has been mute. He can't speak. Jesus casts out the demon. He takes authority as the Son of God over this demon and casts him out, and the man is able to speak. And so there's a spiritual link to a physical infirmity. But it's interesting, Jesus' critics explain away Jesus' ability to do this by saying he does this basically by Satan, by Beelzebub, as the local demon God was, was named here. And I always find it interesting that Jesus, the Christ, the best man who ever lived, has critics, people who are second-guessing what he's doing, second-guessing his motives. But Jesus takes them to the woodshed. And he tells them about the foolishness of their logic. Verses 17 and 18, he talks about how a kingdom divided cannot stand itself. Look, if I'm trying to promote Satan's kingdom, why am I casting out Satan in somebody else? And then he goes on to say uh, in verse 19, If I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. Now here's where I want to get to for the backstory here. Verse 20, but if I drive out demons by the finger of God, listen to this, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Guys, pay attention here. Because what I'm saying is the kingdom of God has come upon you. That's what he's claiming. So let's into this context, we get this comment from this woman out in the crowd saying, you know, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. In other words, your mama is so blessed to have a son like you. Now, where I come from, be careful what you say about someone's mama, because it could get you into a fight. But this is a good thing, and it's a true thing. It's a true thing. This woman is not wrong. We just came out of Christmas, right? We read the Christmas narratives. And when Mary goes to her cousin Elizabeth, Elizabeth says, 
Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. And, and Mary will say later on in verse 48 in chapter 1, she'll say, you know, all generations will call me blessed. Certainly Mary did consider herself blessed, blessed or blessed, to carry Jesus, the Savior. Well, here's one limitation, though. She's the only one who can be blessed in that way. No one else is going to carry the Son of God. No one else is going to have that privilege. She won the cosmic, or the theological lottery, if you will, with that one. So no one else would have that blessing, if you will. And here's, here's the greater principle I'm trying to, to point at. So often we can fall into the trap of believing we are blessed or we have experienced God's favor as far as the, proper, as the, as the prosperity of my circumstances dictate. Here's what I'm saying. We believe we're blessed by how good life is going. Okay? And you can go two different directions with this. One, the comparison of I don't have, I'm not blessed because I don't have his ability, her finances, his opportunity, uh, her family, his spouse, what have you. Basically saying, I, I'm not blessed because I don't have that. On the other hand, you can go the other way. And you can look around at others in comparison and see that they don't have the advantages that you don't have. And you, in spiritual pride, can come to the conclusion that God has blessed me, and tough luck to you poor suckers, right? That's wrong as well. If we look around at the world, if that were the real mindset or the truth, then God has only blessed the 99% or the 1% of the 99. Then God has only blessed the West. And let me tell you, the gospel is not the gospel if it does not ring true in every culture, in every society. We have brothers and sisters in Haiti. The gospel has to be the gospel in the poverty in Haiti. The gospel has to be the gospel in Cuba as we send a team there. In fact, if you have been blessed with a lot, the truth of the matter is, to much who is given, much is required. And that's a different sermon for a different time. And we'll get there as we get to chapter 12. But here's the thing. Jesus takes this opportunity, this, world's, this woman's comment about being blessed, to show that true blessing has to do with how you respond to the kingdom of God and to the one who brings it. And so in verse 28 he says, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Now I'll tell you folks, as I've, as I've read this, at first Jesus' comments seem quite unremarkable. Quite unremarkable. And that's not a great thing to say about Jesus and his words, is it? It's kind of forbidden in a church setting. But here's the thing. And don't get me wrong, there are plenty of, of promises of God blessing obedience in the Scripture. Plenty of them in the Old Testament. And it makes sense. He made us. He is the one who has designed life and the way things should work. And so if you'll follow God's Word as far as relationships, finances, ethics and justice, uh, self-discipline, and just life wisdom, you'll probably do pretty well and experience blessing per se. 
But at first glance, it seems like Jesus is saying the exact same thing that his critics are saying. That if you want to be blessed, if you want God's favor, if you want to be saved, if you will, you have to keep God's law as flawlessly as you can. You need to follow the rules. Because you need to keep God's word to earn his favor. Two problems with this. Number one, God's standard is 100%. It's not 51 out of 49. It's not 75 out of 25. It's not 99.99 with a remainder of 0.01. No, God's standard is perfect. And I don't know about you, but I have not attained that. Nor will I, because I've already failed. And number two, you've got 2,000 years of a track record of people's failure to keep God's law. The truth of Romans 3.23 is, is true. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need not, not just new behavior, but a new heart. So Jesus is bringing something different. And as I alluded to, Jesus has brought the kingdom of God. He has brought the kingdom of God, as is implied earlier in chapter, uh, verse 20. The kingdom of God has come upon you. It's not just that we have God's words. The kingdom of God is not just that we have God's words. It's that God has invaded history. He stepped up on the world stage to bring reconciliation, to bring right relationship. And He's going to do so. We're not there yet in the gospel, but he's already done so. In the life that he lives, that we couldn't live. In the death that he dies to pay a penalty that we can't pay. And the foe that he conquers in conquering death. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the kingdom bringer. And his words are the very words of God to be obeyed. And what is Jesus calling people to do? He's calling people to repent of their sins and He's calling them to believe in Him. To take His word seriously. The kingdom bringer. That He might give them right relationship. And if you're just picking up the story here, just a sample size of what we've seen so far in the Gospel of Luke. He calls people to put their faith in Him powerfully. As He forgives the sin of a paralytic and he heals them. And then people around them says, who can heal sin? I mean, who can forgive sin but God? He does so redeemingly. He calls a man who is a social outcast named Levi, who no one else has anything to do with. And he calls him to follow him. And when people criticize him, he says, look, I didn't come to heal, call the righteous. I, called the, to call, I came to call the sinners. He does so authoritatively in chapter 6. He calls himself as the Son of Man, the Lord of the Sabbath. And then he shows what the Sabbath was for, for restoring life as he restores a man's withered hand. He does so compassionately as he's at a party of a Pharisee. And the Pharisees were the people who were good at being good. And this woman of ill repute comes and she starts weeping at his feet, wiping his feet with her tears and, his ha and her hair. And then she pours on this 
perfume on his feet. And Jesus receives it as her repentance of her sin and her worship. And the men around him say, you know, if, this, if Jesus knew who this woman was, he wouldn't let her to, her to touch him. He says, look, her sins that are many are forgiven. She who is who, who sinned much has forgiven much. And then he says this. Literally, he says to her, your faith has saved you. Faith in me. The one who brings the kingdom of God. And then he brings it sovereignly. As he raises a widow's dead son to life, showing that he has power over life. Now, not, not only the fact that all these things that Jesus does are miraculous, but every one of them has relationship to only what God can do. Again, only God can forgive sin. Again, only God is the one to whom we keep the Sabbath holy. It's in relation to Him. And He is the one who put it there for the restoration of life. And number three, He is the one who has power over death and life. So ultimately in this context, when Jesus says, those who hear the word and obey it, Jesus is commanding that they rightly respond in faith to Himself. And what, for them, what He would do for them, and in retrospect, what He has done for us going to the cross and rising from the dead. The Gospel of John frames it a little differently. As Jesus is interacting with a crowd who he confronts for just following him because he gave them bread. They say, they inquired, what must we do to perform the works of God? And Jesus replied, the work of God is this, to believe in the one who, has, who he has sent. Here's my point. That is a totally different understanding than believing that if I keep God's word, I can merit my right standing before God. I can merit my salvation, God's favor. It does not mean we don't take Jesus' word seriously. That don't, doesn't mean we don't keep his commands. But we do so with gratitude, trusting what he has done, not what we can do. So let me get back to the main idea. Who is blessed? Who is blessed? And here's what I want you to know. I can be blessed not because of the family I'm born into. And I can be blessed not because of the circumstances I find myself in life. But rather because I can be blessed because the King has come for me. And as I put my faith in obeying His Word, my faith in Him, He makes me a part of His forever kingdom. In fact, He makes me a part of His forever family. Jesus said earlier, in a situation where He was preaching to a crowd in chapter 8, verse 21, and His mom and His brothers were asking to meet with Him. And Jesus says this, is my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's Word and put it into practice. Again, believing in me. That's who's part of my forever family. That is who is blessed. That is the person that is blessed. I don't know what situation you find yourself in today. 
Maybe life is fat and sassy, and you feel blessed. But you know what? All those things will be removed from you one day. And if you do not have the blessed blessedness of being connected with the one who brings the kingdom, that will be removed from you. On the other hand, life may be difficult. Life may be hard. I want to tell you this. If you put your faith in Jesus, He's with you. Even through the hard stuff. The truth of Emmanuel has not disappeared. And you are blessed. Because this is not all there is. And so there are implications again of who is blessed and who is not. Kids, youth, I'm talking to you right now. Here's what I want to tell you. If your parents are followers of Jesus Christ, if they're godly parents, that is great. But only you can receive the blessing yourself. Only you can make that decision to follow Jesus. God has no grandchildren. Your parents can't do that for you. You have to make that choice. You're the one who has to put your faith in Jesus. Your parents can't do it for you. And that's true of adults. I'll tell you what, I remember vividly a conversation I had in college with a graduate student. And I was trying to share the good news of Jesus with him. He was from Minnesota, by the way. And at the time, he said to me, well, my grandmother prays for me. And I said, though, that's great. But that will not get you into heaven. God does not put reserved seats in heaven for you. It has to be you making that decision. So kids, I'm not telling you this because I'm trying to turn up the heat. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. Only you can make that decision yourself to follow Christ and be blessed to know Him. Second of all, you may be somebody in this room and kind of going, you know, I'm still checking this out and we're glad you're here. Glad you're doing that. But don't, number one, don't wait forever. Number two, do not be deceived by looking at the blessings of this world as the true blessing of God. Okay? Many of you know in this room that my father was an Olympic wrestler. He has an amazing story, and I'll tell it some other time. He won a bronze medal in 1964. It's hanging on my, my mom's wall in Oakland, California today. But you know what? That medal, my dad passed away about three and a half years ago, and it, that medal's not doing my father any good right now. It was something that this world considered as being blessed. But it's not doing him any good. But you know what is doing him some good right now? The fact that he put his faith in Christ. And the fact that he was a follower of Jesus. That's what makes all the difference for him being blessed or not blessed, if you will. So I just want to tell you that. The things we consider blessing can be easily taken away from us. And I, and I want to say this as well. You know, sometimes it's easy to, when people talk about putting their own faith in Jesus and having eternal life, it seems like pie in the sky. It seems like, well, that's, that'll be great for eternity. But what about right now? Here's what happens when you put your faith in Christ. Number one, you are given a whole new identity. You become a child of the, of the King. You become part of God's forever kingdom. Number two, His Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. 
You have right relationship with God. And He starts to do things. He starts to change you. He starts to make you more like Jesus. Number, number three, you get to be a part of a community of Christ followers. And I'll tell you, so many people cut themselves off from the blessing of what God and what Christ wants to do in their lives because they won't be a part of God's body. You are a part of Jesus' body. This family. And Jesus wants to bless you and meet you oftentimes physically through His followers, parts of His body. You become a new creation, you become His workmanship, and He gives you new purpose. To help others come to know Him and to know Him and love Him and follow Him. And you have a glorious future. No matter what your circumstances. Whether they're good or bad. That can't be taken away from you. You're blessed no matter what circumstances you're in. If that's something you want to do today, I want to encourage you to take this step. Jesus would say to it, I mean, actually the Gospel of John would say, to as many received Him, talking about Jesus Christ, even those who believe in His name, to them He gave the right to become the children of God. Today, you could walk into blessing, a forever blessing. And if that's something you want to do, I'd like to lead you in prayer here in a moment. So let me just pray for us. And if, if, you, if this is a decision you want to make, just follow me in your heart silently. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to bring the kingdom. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to make a way that I could be reconciled to you, that I could know you, that I could be a part of your forever family, your forever kingdom. So forgive me of my sin. I know I have not met your perfect standard, but Jesus, you have met it for me. So I put my faith in you, in what you've done in dying on the cross for me, paying my penalty, and for rising from the dead. And giving victory that I could not have in death. So I put my faith in you, trusting that you have blessed me and blessed me forever. And it's in your name I pray these things. And Lord Jesus, for the rest of us, sometimes this good news becomes old hat to us. Forgive us for that. Give us grace to once again rejoice in the joy of our salvation and what you've done in coming for us. We're grateful for this new year of life you've given us. And would you cause us, Lord, to look to you, to abide in you, to walk in your Holy Spirit, and to trust you for what you have for us in 2019 and beyond. And so it's in your name I pray these things. So now we're going to continue this service in celebration. <laughs> in celebration of what Jesus has done in coming for us.